Hey everyone, welcome to the Southside Church Podcast from Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada. We're praying that hope would rise in your life as you listen to this message today. Oh Davy, oh Davy, oh Davy. You know, back in March of 2020, well it's about time, man. Thank you so much. The mo- Oh, get the leaf person. (laughs) Back in November 2020, COVID hit, and everybody's life changed. Now, one of the ways that my life changed is I went from speaking to groups of people and Leafs fans uh, to speaking to a camera. And I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but speaking to a camera is less encouraging than speaking to a group of people. Right, like cameras don't laugh at your hilarious jokes. Cameras don't nod when you make a good point. They just sit there, unblinking, disinterested, disengaged. This like ambivalent, glassy-eyed stare. And I remember so many times after March of 2020 thinking to myself, God, thank you. Like, thank you for this message that you've given me. Like, I really believe this message is going to encourage people. It's going to inspire people. It's going to lift people up. I really believe it's going to help. And then I would get on stage, and I would preach that message to that glassy-eyed stare of that stupid camera. And I would get off the stage thinking, man, I I thought that would inspire people. I thought that would encourage people. I thought that would really help, but I guess not. And what's been really, really weird is over these last several months, how many people, dozens and dozens and dozens of conversations I've had from people saying, thank you. Thank you for that message. Thank you for the inspiration. Thank you for the encouragement. Thank you for the help. And it really hit me, you know, because even when we think that no one is watching, someone's watching. And it's actually really, really good news. Like even to this day, Right now, there are about twice as many people who will watch this message online as who are watching it in person. So that's probably a pretty good time for me to tell you, hey, if you're here in person right now, it is an absolute honor and privilege to be with you. Like, I'm excited today. I think it's really going to help you. And if you're watching online right now, I want to tell you the same thing. It's an honor and a privilege to be with you. I'm super excited for today because I think This message is really going to help you. And online people, I'm going to do you a special favor today. The staff keeps coming to me saying, Mike, you got to look at the camera more. So here's what I'm going to do online, person, persons. I'm going to look at that glassy-eyed, ambivalent, unblinking lens. And in faith, I'm going to believe that you're laughing at my hilarious jokes and nodding at my great points. Make sense? Good. Even when you think that no one's watching... Someone's watching, which is really important because we're walking through this New Testament book right now as a church called First Timothy. And First Timothy is a book all about leadership. It's a letter written by a leader named Paul to another leader named Timothy. It's all about leadership, which is perfect for you because you're a leader. And I know, I know, I know, you might be a little bit like Mike Manis, staring at that glassy, 
wide-eyed lens of the camera at times, and you might forget that people are watching. And let me tell you, even when you think that no one's watching, someone's watching, you have influence, which is awesome news. And, and the whole book, the whole letter of 1 Timothy is a letter, is a challenge for you and me to use that influence real well. So let's jump in. 1 Timothy chapter 4. You can count on this, Paul says. Take it to heart. This is why we've thrown ourselves into this venture so totally. What's this venture? The church. The gospel. The message of Jesus. Paul says, we've thrown ourselves into this venture totally. In other words, Paul says, if you want to be a leader, you've got to be all in. If you want to be a leader, you've got to be all in. See, if you wanted me to describe the Southside DNA to you, the Southside leadership culture, I would probably describe it that way, all in. We're all in. It's amazing, over the last couple years, I've had so many conversations with so many people, many people who work at different churches, and they say to me, Mike, there's something about your church culture that's amazing. Like, I love the enthusiasm, I love the exuberance, I love the determination. How do you guys pull it off? And honestly, I have no idea. I really don't. The closest thing that I could do to telling you why it happens is this. Somewhere along the line, we made the decision as a group that we're all in. That we're all in. Which is kind of important because in this country, in Canada, there's a certain segment of people who want to work at churches. And their thought process goes something like this. Hey, when I was a kid, I really enjoyed going to Christian summer camp. It was super fun. I liked it so much, in fact, that when I got a little bit older, I became a counselor at a Christian summer camp. And I loved it, like the hilarious dunk tank and the archery and the wake surfing. At the end of the week, we'd always make ourselves these really cool bead bracelets. I just love it. And they think, you know what would be rad? Because I find the people who love being counselors at Christian summer camps often use the word rad, okay? So they say, you know what would be really rad is if I could get a job at a church because that would be just like working at a Christian summer camp all year round. And I find people like that normally like Southside, like the concept, but the closer they get, the more they think, I don't know if I really want to work there. There was a guy that came up to me, <clears throat> said to me about eight months ago, man, can, can I talk to you about all this bright? Can, can I talk to you specifically about the Wonder drive through that wonder drive-thru was crazy. Like, all those lights and for the city, and it was just so cool. Why doesn't my church do stuff like that for my city? I said, you work at that church. He said, yeah, yeah. And you say, why doesn't my church do stuff like that for my city? I said, I don't know exactly, but let's just talk about the wonder drive-thru for a minute and see if we can, like, find a clue. I said, first of all, the wonder drive-thru was thousands and thousands and thousands of hours of work. Our staff and our key volunteers. Here's a little secret. We really didn't know what we were doing. So like we made up for our lack of expertise with a lot of enthusiasm and work ethic, okay? So thousands and thousands and thousands of hours to, to build these things over a quarter of a million lights. To build them and then to get them here before this site was anywhere near finished to set it up in a relatively safe way. There was this one area called the Enchanted Forest. Oh yeah, it was enchanted all right. 
These stupid 20-foot trees, man. We set these 20-foot trees up, and there was this windstorm, like gale force winds. Blow those suckers down. So we came back in, and we put them back up. And then they got blown down again. And then we put them back up. And then the wind blew them down again. And the last time it happened, Dave Poole, who did announcements just a few moments ago, one of the biggest, toughest guys who has walked through some real adversity in his life, to be truthful, <laughs> as he drove up to the site of the Wonder drive through and saw the trees blown down yet again, he cried so hard that he lost control of his bodily functions. So if you'd like more details on that, Dave will be in the lobby after the church, and he'd like to tell you all about it. And then it was time to like just do the drive-thru, like invite people in, right? It was four nights. We told all of our full-time staff, no matter what your job is at Southside, you're here the whole time. This guy from the other church looks at me. He's like, the whole time? I'm like, yeah, yeah, the whole time. He's like, but it's Christmas. I'm like, yeah, that, like... Christmas lights. It happens best at Christmas. Okay, so he's like, whoa, that, wow, okay. So, so we're, we're, we're there, and, and, and we got every, in those four days, we got actually every meteorological phenomena that you can imagine other than sun. Okay, so rain, sleet, snow, ice storm. Honestly, we did. And so I'm heading out the first night, and I, and I, and I got all dressed for the weather. Corinne said, my wife Corinne said, make sure you, you, know, you dress appropriately. And that's the night, by the way, I found out the difference between water-resistant and waterproof. <laughs> okay? So, put my stuff on, and I leave, and I realize I forgot one thing. So I came back into the house. Corinne says, what did you forget? I said, I forgot my AirPods. She said, your AirPods? I'm like, yeah. Corinne, it's pouring out there. I don't think anyone's going to come. And I just don't want to sit there and be bored the whole night. So I got my AirPods. I'm going to listen to a podcast or something like that, right? So I get out there, and I'm standing at my post, and I see cars. Like, there seems to be like a little bit of a lineup of cars, and I'm thinking to myself, well, that's cute. Like a little bit of a burst of people right at the beginning. That'll be kind of neat, you know? So I got my AirPods on. I'm listening to a podcast. And, and a little while into the Wonder drive through over my AirPods, I hear on the walkie-talkie somebody say, uh, we're lined up past Tyson. At that point, I carefully took my AirPods out, put them in my pocket, and over the four days, we saw 13,000 people. 13,000 people. Yeah, that's pretty cool, right? And I, and I remember on the first night, a wonderful volunteer. She said, you know what? I want to just get some snick snackies for all the people that are volunteering at the Wonder Drive. They're just a little something, to, you know, a little bit of food. And so she made up these boxes, and the boxes were full of... Uh, Charcuterie. Do you know what that? Okay, I don't really know what charcuterie is, but but what I do know is it's like it's got crackers, right? And like different things you can like select to place on the crackers. Did I mention there was thirteen thousand people coming through? And the water resistance gloves that I had on, and everybody else had on, were drenched through. We were freezing cold. You didn't even want to take your gloves off to select the different items from charcuterie. So partway through the night, I hear somebody in the walkie-talkie say, I just need some food, like something I can grab with one hand and shove in my gullet. That's all I need right now. That was the wonder drive through And the staff showed up before it started and after it was over. I remember a couple days before, somebody said, Hey, you know what we should do? Let, 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 let's put a trailer up near the entrance, and let's see if people want to donate some food to the food bank. I don't know if they will or not. Well, it turns out they did. Thousands and thousands and thousands of pieces of food. And all these food items, so at the end of the night, every night, we'd clean up everything, and as a staff, we would all go over and load all this food up. 
then you would go home and try unsuccessfully to fall asleep because you were so wired from the night. Except for the one night, there was an ice storm and my son Samuel and I had to go out in the middle of the night with hockey sticks to knock the ice off the light tunnel so it didn't fall over. I remember when it ended, the last night. As a staff, we all came into here before here was here, <laughs> before here was really anything. And we sat up in that section before there was any seats. It was just wood and concrete. And I don't remember what was actually said. I know everyone was exhausted and freezing, and everyone looked at each other, and actually there was a lot of tears, and I think it went something like this. Best job I ever had. Best team I've ever been on. And so this guy said, I don't know why my church doesn't do stuff like that for my city. At the end, I said, you know what? There was no dunk tank, no wake surfing, not even bracelets with little beads on it. Just this concept that says, we are all in. That's it. And I don't think it's just a Southside leadership thing. I think it's a following Jesus thing. You know, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says it this way. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path all in. Like actually getting to the point of your life when you say, Jesus, I actually trust you. Like, I actually believe in you. So much so that I'm going to follow you. Even in areas like this. Do you know that Jesus says that it's more blessed to give than to receive? What? Seriously, he says that. He says it's actually more blessed to give than to receive. That's crazy in our culture. All in means I get to this point where I say, I actually believe you. I believe that it's more blessed to give than to receive. And the only way that you'll ever prove that out in your life, by the way, is to live a generous life. And if you do live a generous life, you'll never doubt it. I can prove it to you, actually. Put your hand up if you help with the one who drive through last year. Hand up. It's fine. You know what's really cool? Is, like, in about two months' time, I'll do that, and every single hand in this place will go up, because you're all going to help. It's going to be so cool. But if I had a chance, if you, if you just raised your hand, if I had a chance to sit with you one-on-one -on -one and say, uh, can you tell me a story from the Wonder drive through last year, you would be able to instantly tell me a story. Story after story after story after story. And then, without missing a beat, I would look at you and say, okay, tell me what you got for Christmas. And for some of you, you wouldn't even remember. Why? Oh, it's because it's more blessed to give than to receive. That's why. All in means you actually come to the point when you say, Jesus, I believe in you, so much so that I'm going to follow you. So even when you say that I need to forgive those who have wronged me, I'm going to do that. Even when you say that I need to love people who look different than me, who sound different than me, who believe different than me, who vote different than me, I'm going to do it because I'm all in. What a life, what a life, what a life, all in. Paul says it this way, we've thrown ourselves into this venture totally. We're all in. It's an amazing life, but now imagine thousands of people who are all in gathered together in one mission. That is Southside Church. That's who we are. That's who we are. I've often said, man, the ultimate church, the church that I want to be involved in is a church with just two kinds of people. People who are all in and people who are all out. That's my kind of church. 
People who are actually following Jesus and people who don't have a clue who Jesus is yet because they've never met him. I love that. That's an effective church. That's a church that I want to be a part of. Things get real ineffective and real depressing when, when, when you start to blur those lines. When you got a group of people that aren't all in, they're kind of half in. The Bible calls those kind of people lukewarm people. Half-hearted people, lukewarm people. And deep down inside, there's no one more miserable than a lukewarm Christian, right? Too much of Jesus to be happy with the world and too much of the world to be happy with Jesus. Well, now imagine a church full of lukewarm people. Man, I'm so grateful that we're all in. And when people ask me, what, what is it about this Southside culture? Why are you all in? I don't know exact, exactly, but I think it goes back a little bit to something that I said last week, which you all vividly remember, because you just remember everything about last week's sermon. I know, it's incredible. Thank you so much for that. But here, gratitude. Gratitude. I think it starts with gratitude, you guys. Uh, this concept that says, Jesus died for me. He rose again for me. And if I was the only one in human history who needed to be forgiven, who needed to be rescued, who needed eternal life, he would have done it all for me. And there's this sense of gratitude. And when I'm truly grateful, you know what happens? It, it produces in me this sense of exuberance and this sense of enthusiasm. But I think if you lose your gratitude along the way, and I think we're all tempted to do so. We're all tempted to grumble instead of be grateful, right? I think if you lose your gratitude along the way, you want to try to manufacture enthusiasm, you want to try to manufacture exuberance, but you can't. See, when you lose your gratitude, you end up in this place of dissatisfaction, of discontent. And you want to manufacture enthusiasm, but you can't. And see, so you, you, you got a church that's lost its sense of gratitude, and they want to manufacture something, but you can't manufacture enthusiasm. You know what you can manufacture? You know what you can manufacture? Rules. Regulations. Religiosity. You, you want to know a sure sign that a church is becoming a lukewarm church? You look for a church that's known for what they are against instead of what they are for. You look for a church that's known for who they are against rather than who they are for. That's it. That's the sign. See, because if I'm grateful, I'm enthusiastic and I'm exuberant, and I look at what Jesus has done for me, and I say, I'm going to be standing on what I'm for. Jesus, you're for mercy, so I'm for mercy. You're for grace, I'm for grace. You're for generosity, I'm for generosity. You're for love, I'm for love. An all-in church is a church that's known for what we are for, who we are for. <laughs> so that wonder drive through this is how it happened, roughly. So March 2020, COVID hits, and staring at a camera, week after week after week after week, staring at a camera. But then all of a sudden, Christmas is coming closer, and we're like, you know what? I think we might be able to go back to Sardis and have one more Christmas at Sardis for Southside Church. And we got so, uh, we were a little, little intimidated because of all the setup and takedown, but mostly super pumped. And then we found out, no, you can't. You can't actually go back to Sardis Secondary. You can't meet in their gym for Christmas this year in 2020, but maybe you can go somewhere else. And so we started looking for other places. We were gonna rent a movie theater, the entire theater. 
We're gonna, gonna just decorate the parking lot, go crazy. We are super excited about that. And then we found out, no, actually you can't. You can't gather anybody anywhere right now. So I came up with this idea. I said, and hey, what about this? I said, what if uh, the band and me, even though the building isn't done, what if we go like stand on top of the new building? You know? And then we get, I know that's what the staff said too. Okay, so, so then you get, you get cameras and, then, and, then, and the people, it's drive-in Christmas. It's a drive-in Christmas. And then we found out, well, you can't really do that. Even, let's say that was a good idea. You can't really do that because you're only allowed 50 cars to be parked at one time. And then somebody said something like this. You're only allowed 50 cars parked. Okay, but what about cars being driven around and around and around the lot? Well, then we could probably do 13,000 people. Here's the thing. It was kind of annoying. We thought we could meet at Sardis, but then we couldn't. We thought we could rent a movie theater, and then we couldn't. We thought we could do drive-in church, and then we couldn't. And every step of the way, you know what the temptation was? To get mad. So stupid! But we made the choice. No, 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 that's not who we are. We are for this city. We're not going to focus on what we can't do. We're always going to ask ourselves, what can we do? You want to know an all-in church? A church that, it's a church that is known for what and who they are for. That's an all-in church. So Paul goes on, he says this, We're banking on the living God, Savior of all men and women, especially believers. Paul wrote another letter to the Corinthian church, and he put it this way. He said, I've resolved to know just one thing. I've resolved to just know one thing. Jesus Christ crucified. That's it. John 3.16 says it this way, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. That's it. 64 AD, Paul wrote this letter. You know what the world needed more than anything else in 64 AD? Jesus. It's November of 2021. You know what the world needs more than anything else in November of 2021? Jesus. You get that, right? That, that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, stepped into human history. He died on a cross so that our past could be resolved, so that our sins could be forgiven. The world desperately needs that. Because every single one of us, if we were completely honest, would say, when I look back at my life, I remember that there's things that I did that I really wish I wouldn't have. But I can't go back and undo them. There's things that I've said that I really wish I wouldn't have said, but I can't go back and unsay them. In, in fact, there's things I wish I would have done and wish I would have said, but I can't go back and change the past. And then people look at you and go, well, you know what? Carpe diem, baby. Carpe diem. Seize the day. Cool, man. That's great. Except here's the problem. I'm living today, and it's hard to seize it because I'm, dealt with, I'm dealing with so much regret and so much shame and so much embarrassment for the things that I did in my past. I'm weighed down. And Jesus says, cast your burdens on me. Give me your guilt. Give me your shame. Give me your regret. That's what the world needs. It's amazing, too, because we look back and there's people that we've heard along the way. And Jesus even says to you today, listen, if there's people that you've heard along the way, you, you need to make resolution where you can, but also trust that he loves them, too. 
and he's working healing in them too. The world needs Jesus in November of 2021 because not only did Jesus die, he rose again. So he gives us strength for today. The world really needs that because there's so many of us, we wake up in the morning and we say, this is the day. This is the day that I'm gonna be everything that I can be. And there's a part of us saying, yeah, but I thought that yesterday and the day before and the day before and it didn't go so well. And Jesus rose again so that we can rise. In other words, Jesus says this, I'm gonna help you today rise above your circumstances. I'm gonna help you today to follow me to one little step at a time to become the person you were created to be. That's it. So Jesus resolves your past. He empowers your present. He beautifies your future. That the God who created everything, the God who spoke the universe into existence says to you today, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll never let you down. That's beautiful. Doesn't mean your life is always gonna be easy, no. But it's gonna be good, and it's gonna be beautiful. But not only that, when Jesus rose again, it meant that we have eternal life, that when our time on this planet is up, it ain't over. And the best way I can describe eternal life to you is that 10,000 years from now, you and me are gonna look at each other and say, this is crazy, but get this, the best is still yet to come, and we'll be right. You wanna know what the world needed in 64 AD when Paul wrote this letter? Jesus. You know what the world needs now in November of 2021 in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the fighting, in the midst of the arguing? The world needs Jesus. And what's so amazing, and the reason we're all in, is because of all the ways that Jesus could have chose to spread this message called the gospel, he chose us. He chose the church. And that's why it's so heartbreaking when you see people that are half-hearted. When you see people that have been sitting in a church for years and years and years and years, and honestly, their number one priority in their life is still their own comfort. You see people who have been sitting in a church for years and years and years, and honestly, their political agenda still means more to them than the Great Commission. You know the Great Commission, when Jesus says, go out into all the world, and tell them about me. Tell them how their past can be resolved, their present can be empowered, their future can be beautiful, and their eternity can be described in one phrase, the best will always be yet to come. Jesus says, go out into all the world and preach the good news, and yet there's people who have been sitting in a church for years, and for them their political agenda is still a bigger deal. It's a little bit heartbreaking when you see someone who's been sitting in a church for years and they still say things like this. You know, the church, the church should really do something about that. The, 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 the church should really step up in that area. Hey, Brohawk, you are the church. You are the church. You are the church. You are the church. You're the church. If I knew Spanish, I would say it in Spanish, even French. You are the church. When you began following Jesus, the Bible says you were born again. You were born again into a family, the family of God. It manifests itself for us in this church called Southside. So we are all in. We are the church. We're all in. We give. We serve. We invite. We're enthusiastic. We're exuberant. Because this is how we change the world.
This is how we change the world. It was true in 64 AD. It's true today, in November 2021. A few years ago, a couple left the church. On the way out, they <clears throat> sat with a staff member, not me, but a different staff member. They said, hey, just don't want you to be discouraged. We're leaving the church, but I wanted to tell you something before we left. Um, it's not the music. The music is amazing. And it's not the preaching. Which I was kind of shocked by. But the, you know, it's not the preaching. We love the preaching. There's just one thing that's really starting to frost our flakes. It's just like, it's just an annoying and it's starting to grate on our nerves to the point now where we just can't stand it anymore. She says, what, what's that? She says, it's the altar call that you do at the end of every message. Every single week you invite people to follow Jesus. It's annoying. That's heartbreaking. So, spoiler alert, we're going to do an altar call at the end of the message today. Here's why. You understand, there's people watching online today, there's people here today who have never walked into a church before in their entire life. Many of whom believe that what they are going to receive here is judgment and condemnation. They believe that God is angry at them. I've had many, many people, you might not believe this, I've had many, many people say to me, I was really worried that when I walked into church, I was going to get struck by lightning. I kid you not. Where did they learn that? Where did they learn that? Like you understand, right, that there's people here today, there's people watching online today, and if you ask them, hey, when's the last time that somebody said to you, I love you, and really meant it, they wouldn't be able to remember, because the truth is, for some of them, they've never heard it. Spoiler alert. We're going to do an altar call at the end of this message, and here's why, because I really, really think that the world needs to know every single man, every single woman, every single boy, every single girl needs to know this. God loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you, to rise again for you. And so if you're here today for the first time, I want to tell you, welcome. If you're watching online for the first time, man, I'm so glad you're here. I got to tell you something. We built this place for you. We did. We're, we're, we're streaming this service for you. If you walked in today and you got a cup of coffee, we brewed that coffee for you. If you drove in today and you found the parking lot a little confusing and there was people out there directing the traffic, they're directing the traffic for you. I guess here's the thing. We decided a long time ago that as Jesus has loved us, we love you and we just want to show you. As Jesus has given us grace and given us mercy, we want to show you grace, we want to show you mercy and we want to show you his love every chance we get. So, in a few minutes, whether you're online or in person, I want to tell you, I'm going to do an altar call. And it's going to be awesome because you're going to realize everything that God's done for you. He wants nothing from you except this. I'm in. It's going to be so cool. Now, if you're not here for the first time today, if you're here for the third time, let's pick third. If you're here for the third time today, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. 
It's time. We gotta go, man. There's a world to change. This is how we change the world. Let's go. See, somewhere along the line, you need to understand this, that you were placed on this planet for three reasons. Number one, to know God. Number two, to find freedom. Number three, to change the world. And here's what's crazy. Listen, this is so important. You will never really, truly know God until you, until you live your life in such a way that you help others know him. You will never truly find freedom in your life until you get to the point where you live your life to help other people find freedom. And this is how we change the world. Paul says, get the word out, Timothy. Teach all these things and don't let anyone put you down because you're young. I find that encouraging, right? For us over here, for this section. Don't let anybody look down on us because we're young, right? Amen to that. It's funny, about eight years ago, we had this independent group of consultants look at our finances. Now, every year we get an audit for all our finances to make sure that we're good stewards and just above board and doing everything right. But eight years ago, we had a, a group did a really deep dive. I remember they called me in. They said, we need to talk to you. This is absolutely shocking. I said, what's shocking? Said, um, we've never seen anything like this. Said, I, the guy said, I can't believe how much your generosity at your church has grown over the last few years. I'm like, that's cool. He said, but here's the craziest thing. Never seen this in my entire life, looking at dozens and dozens and dozens of churches, never seen anything like this. This was eight years ago. I said, what? Said, the core of your givers that have really been fueling your generosity are between the ages of 20 and 25 years old. That's your core demographic. Now, I'm from Red Deer, so I didn't really know what demographic meant, so I just nodded. And I said, wow, that's, wow, hmm, tell me more, you know? He's just like, well, they don't really exist in the church. I'm like, well, they exist at our church. And if they do exist, he said, they're, they're, they're not involved, they're not giving. And I just found that so sad. As if that would ever happen here. I thought to myself, oh, those 20 to 25-year-olds that you're so impressed they're giving, well, you don't even know the half of it. These men and women are completely all in. They don't just give, they serve. They don't just serve, they invite. They don't just invite, they pray. They're all in. But that was eight years ago, so that 20 to 25-year-old, they were punks back then, now they're just a bunch of old fogies, right? And you know what's amazing, though? Is, is, is that core group that were fueling our generosity eight years ago, they're all still here. You should ask him sometime. Was it worth it? Was it worth it to be all in? I think they'd say yes. So if you're under the age of 25, by the way, you don't exist in churches, so thank you for existing here. But here's my suggestion. This is your church. This, this is your church now, not someday, today. Let's go. This is how we change the world. You say, well, I don't really want to be held back. No, no, no. I want to cheer you on. Well, I don't really want to be tied down. No, no, no. We want to see God lift you up. Well, I don't really want to be constrained. No, here's what God wants to do. He wants to set you free to be part of a movement. You're needed. 14-year-old, 17-year-old, 27-year-old, 77-year-old, you are needed. We are the church, and this is how we change the world.
Paul ends this way. Teach believers with your life. Teach them with your life. By word, by demeanor, by love, by faith, by integrity. Keep a firm grasp on both your character and your teaching. Don't be diverted, just keep at it. Keep a firm grasp on your character and your teaching. That's cool. In other words, show them Jesus, and then show them Jesus, and then tell them about Jesus. Show them Jesus, and then tell them about Jesus. You say the, the greatest need in the world back in 64 AD was what? Jesus. The greatest wor- need in November of 2021 is what? Jesus. But here's the problem. It's a spiritual need, but you can't go around expecting people who don't know Jesus to see spiritual things. So you know what you need to do? You need to be a display. You need to physically show them Jesus. How do you do that? You need to be for them. As you have been loved, tangibly love others. As God has been generous with you, be generous to others. As God has given you kindness, show his kindness to others. It's one of the reasons that Coming up on November 27th, we got this thing called All Is Bright. We've been doing it for five years. We just want to sh- show our cities Jesus, you know? J- j- just let them know. I don't, I don't know what they've heard of the church, but we want them to know at this church, we're for them. We're for grace. We're for mercy. We're for love. We're for generosity. That's why we do it. We want to tangibly show them Jesus. So we got partners. We partner with a group called Pearl, which uh, re- rescues women from uh, the sex trade. We partner with the Shehala School to, to love on kids at that school who are living below the poverty line. We established something called the Sunshine Fund, which is a way that we come alongside and encourage families that are dealing with critical illness. And I don't know if you've ever heard, but we also partner with the Pregnancy Care Center here in Chilliwack, and the Chilliwack Maternity Ward. You say, well, does it really make a difference? I'm gonna read you a story. It's actually a letter that was written to us by a 17-year-old girl named Emma. Hey, Southside, my name is Emma. And I wanted to thank you for what you do for All Is Bright because I'm one of the many stories impacted by your generosity. Growing up, I was a very happy kid. I would describe myself back then as someone who was goofy and outgoing. And I remember loving to make everyone around me laugh. I grew up in Chilliwack with six siblings as the middle child with two parents. I'll never forget the day my dad went missing. I was 12 years old. I was a daddy's girl and it just didn't make any sense to me. I I remember when the police came to our door the next day and told us that our father took his own life. I couldn't understand it. I had just seen him. He couldn't be gone. From that point on, I think I was in shock for years. Over time, the shock slowly turned into anger, sadness, and depression. That one day changed my family too. Everyone was broken, and everyone was angry. My home life became toxic and explosive. I experienced verbal and mental abuse. I turned to smoking, alcohol, and drugs in order to numb and cope with what my life had become. I dropped out of high school, and I was eventually kicked out of my mom's house and put into foster care. I got kicked out of that home, too, 
and I ended up staying with my aunt here in town. In December of 2020, I turned 17. And I remember hitting a breaking point. On my birthday last year, all I could think to do was pray and cry out to God. I said, God, I need your help. I need to know you're real. I want to actually start living my life. That same month, I found out I was pregnant. I was terrified. The baby's father wasn't in the picture, and I come from an endless family cycle of dads who weren't around for their kids. I was alone and not even old enough to get my license, let alone raise a child. I wasn't sure if I'd be able to have the baby. I don't really remember how I got in touch with the pregnancy care center, but I remember ending up there in an office with a very kind lady who encouraged me and offered me lots of support. She offered me hope that maybe I wasn't alone, and she offered me a free diaper bag from Southside Church. That diaper bag was so nice looking and had so many expensive items in it. I had no idea how much money simple things like baby shampoo and lotion cost, so I remember feeling super blessed and very surprised. I read the little note inside from your church telling me that you were praying for me and with me. I honestly took that bag as a sign from God that he was with me and he was helping me. It was a huge sign that having my baby was the best thing to do. I continued to work to better myself throughout my pregnancy and I left my old life of partying and substances behind completely. I worked with my support worker to get into a new building built for people just like me to have my own home. I moved in and I started preparing my new space two months before having my baby. My child, Eliana, was born September 5th, 2021 at 1.28 a.m. Her name means God has answered. I remember after her birth, laying in the hospital room with her when my nurse came in to offer me a free diaper bag. I recognized it immediately and I laughed saying, that's from Southside, I already have one. She wouldn't take no for an answer and insisted that I take this one too. I saw that as a message from God. <clears throat> I saw that as a message from God immediately after the birth of my daughter saying, "You did good. You did good. I'm still with you." Eliana is now 2 months old and I can't imagine my life without her. She's the happiest baby I know and hanging out with her at our home is my favorite thing to do. We spend most of our days cuddling <clears throat> when I'm not dressing her up and taking pictures. I love being her mom and I'm so thankful to God for her. From my perspective, lots of churches say that they're helping the community, but I feel like you guys actually are. I live in hope right now, but I'm really looking forward to getting my end soon so I can come out on Sundays to bring Ellie to Southside. In the meantime, I'm joining you in, I'm joining in on Sundays online. There's something pretty special about your church, and I would love for us to be a part of it. So thank you again, and keep doing what you're doing, sending your love. Emma. Eliana. <clears throat> Say, Mike, you're pretty raw, raw. You know? So I got that diaper bag and I thought, it was a message from God. You did good. I'm still with you. Yeah, Mike, you always talk about we can't fix everything, but we can do something. What does that even mean? It means you did good. I'm still with you. You see, every number has a name and every name has a story and every story matters to God. What does that even mean? It means you did good. I'm still with you.
That's what it means. And just so you know, after the first service, I had a bunch of people come up to me from Hope who drive out every Sunday for church. So we're going to get rides. You did good. You did good. I'm still with you. That's what it means, right? That's what it means to be all in. You show them Jesus, and then you tell them about Jesus. So I hope my goal is that every single person here, let's do this. Let's, 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 let's make all this bright, unreal. You can help build the Wonder Drive through this year. Wear a water-resistant coat and it'll be awesome, I promise. You can help with the Pregnancy Care Center. You can go set up lights in seniors' homes, whatever you want to do. We'll, we'll have lots of stuff. Let's all go. Let's do it. So if you're here for the first time today, or you're watching online for the first time, I warned you. I warned you, because I'm about to do an altar call. And here's why. Because Jesus loves you. See, I, I don't know if anyone's ever told you that before, so I wanted to be here and tell you that if you were the only one in history who needed to be rescued, he would have come for you. He would have died for you. He would have rose again just for you. He came to resolve your past, to empower your present, to beautify your future, and to tell you this about your eternity, the best will always be yet to come. That's it. So I'm gonna take a moment of just reflection. If you could close your eyes and bow your heads, that'd be great. So everything that needed to be done for our past, present, future, and eternity has already been done by Jesus. So now our chance, our next step is just to respond and say, Jesus, I accept. So with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, if that's you today, if today is the day you say, Jesus, I want that forgiveness, I want that empowerment, I want that eternal life that starts now and stretches all the way through with heads bowed and eyes closed. Do you wanna just raise your hand right now because I wanna pray for you right now. It's amazing. Nice and high if you don't mind. Whether you are online or in person, if you can safely do so online, I think there's something significant about just raising your hand. Yeah, you can put your hands down. If you just raised your hand, I'm going to pray out loud and I invite you to pray silently along with me. God, thank you. Thank you that you love me. And I pray that that would sink down further and further into the core of who I am, that I would know that I would never doubt that I am fully, totally, completely loved. And so today, Jesus, I come to you and I ask that you would be my savior. Thank you that you died on the cross so that I can be forgiven. I hand you my sin and my shame and my regret right now, and I walk away. Give me a fresh start. And Jesus, today I wanna ask you to be my Lord, that as you rose again, that you would give me the strength to be everything that you created me to be and to live a life beyond imagination, today, tomorrow, and forever. And for all of us at Southside Church, God, we thank you. We thank you for this life. <laughs> and may we never lose our sense of gratitude, overwhelming gratitude. And out of that, birth enthusiasm, exuberance, determination, we're all in, Jesus, because you are all in for us. We thank you in your name. Amen. Let's celebrate. Did I mention there's this thing called All is Bright coming up? Did I say that? Yeah. 
and, and, and I love it if before you leave here today, whether you're here for the first time or the 400th, just text the keyword bright, B-R-I-G-H-T, that's how you spell it in case you, you're a better speller than me, I don't know why I told you. Okay, 604-670-3040, and uh, it's gonna be an awesome day. I love you guys, we'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And to stay up to date with all things Southside, follow at Southside underscore church on Instagram. We love you guys. The best is yet to come.